Acts chapter 1 verse 8 reads, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Hello, welcome back to Think This Way. This is the podcast of Faith Bible Church, and I am one of the pastor elders here, Bryce. I'm glad you are with us. We are today continuing our quarterly focus on the Holy Spirit, which we've been doing since the beginning of January, and it's going to stretch through February and through March as well. We are going to be talking about some of the roles of the Holy Spirit. We've spoken already about who the Spirit is, a he, not an it. Rehearse that to yourself. He, not it. And now we're going to focus more on some of the roles of the Holy Spirit. Uh, A little bit later in this quarter, we're going to focus on what are maybe some of the more controversial topics about what we call cessationism and continuationism. That is, what about the gift of tongues and prophecy? And does the Holy Spirit still do that in the church today? That's coming later. But I did want to include here one podcast titled Before and After Pentecost, Because this is a question I come across quite a bit. The question is, we know the Holy Spirit descended in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, but wasn't the Holy Spirit already with God's people and active before Pentecost happened? And if so, what's the difference after Pentecost where we live on this side of Pentecost? What's the difference for us than for any of the Old Testament saints? So that is the question. I want to begin by simply pointing out that there certainly is a difference between the experience of God's people in their interactions with the Holy Spirit before Pentecost and after Pentecost. The verse that I read at the beginning of this podcast, Acts 1-8, is Jesus talking to his disciples, telling them to wait in Jerusalem after he ascends, and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So there is a power that these disciples are going to receive, and it's going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and the power is going to enable them to be witnesses in Jerusalem and then emanating outward from there. Now, it's interesting that Jesus says that, because if you knew Jesus' disciples in the previous three years of their life, you would think they'd already received whatever power they needed for ministry. They were literally casting out demons performing many miracles, doing healings. So there was clearly a power already in their life active, and certainly this was the power of the Holy Spirit working in them. The same thing we could say about their understanding, as limited as it was, but in Matthew 16, 17, after Peter makes his famous confession, says, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus' response is, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Well, if it's not flesh and blood, it's spirit, the spirit. He says, my father has revealed it, but certainly through the spirit, that's how Peter knew who Jesus was. So we can't say the spirit was not acting before Pentecost, nor can we say there was no power at all in the disciples by the spirit before Pentecost. But I do want to point out that in Jesus' own way of phrasing it, there was a, an increased power, a special kind of power that they didn't have yet before Pentecost. You will receive that power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and certainly not before. In fact, when Pentecost happens in Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up 
And he quotes, if you remember, Joel chapter 2, where that minor prophet said, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Peter is saying that's fulfilled here at Pentecost. So before this happened, these in these last days, God did not pour out his spirit on all flesh in the same way that he did Pentecost onward. So that's the first point. There is a difference of God's people experiencing the power and work of the Spirit before and after Pentecost. But of course, that's also just the question that we're left with. What is the difference? As I think about this, I don't really have a complete answer, but I think I have a true answer and I have four parts to it. I think there are at least four ways that the Spirit's work differed before and after Pentecost. Here's number one. There is a difference in the degree of the Spirit's work. I'm going to quote here from Jared Wilson, his book, Supernatural Power for Everyday People. He says this, quote, The Spirit was officially released from heaven at Pentecost. It was not as if God's people had no access to the Spirit before this moment, but the difference is like that between a steadily trickling mountain stream and a mighty rushing flood through a busted dam. Ever since, the Spirit's presence in the world has been to ensure the spread of the gospel of God's glory, that someday this glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. So before Pentecost, even the mighty things done by God's Spirit are considered a trickling mountain stream. They are amazing things, certainly, but few and far between. And then after Pentecost, a mighty rushing flood through a busted dam. So there's a difference in degree of the Spirit's work. You might miss this if you only thought about external miracles, because the disciples were doing those, although Jesus said, you'll do greater ones when I leave. But the disciples really were doing miracles by the Spirit during his ministry, and then they did them afterward. But... Maybe it's better for us to focus on the Spirit's work internally in God's people. Look at the disciples. Consider their boldness and their understanding before Pentecost. And then consider it afterward. (laughs) You don't have Peter standing up to preach an excellent message, calling hundreds of people to conversion until after Pentecost happens, the day of and then afterward. The boldness that's in the disciples, their ability to understand now God's purpose, which simply wasn't there before. So if you look at these internal works of the Spirit, yes, the Spirit revealed something of Jesus' identity to Peter up on the mountain where he made his confession, but still, that's a trickling stream compared to the understanding Peter had after Pentecost. The same is what we could say when we're talking about degree of the Spirit's work when it comes to spiritual gifts in the church. You have a spiritual gift. The Spirit did give people skill in the Old Testament, like Aholiab, like those who were in charge of building the tabernacle. They were given spiritual ability, so to speak. They were given skill by the Spirit. But now in the church, whoever you are, if you're a believer, you have a spiritual gift. Christ ascended on high, Ephesians 4 says, and he gave gifts among men. So now we have spiritual gifts in a way that God's people were not equipped, not identically, before Pentecost happened. So there's a difference in degree. So praise God that we were born this side of Pentecost. 
Number two, I think there's a difference in the clarity of the Spirit's work. I'm thinking about John 4, when Jesus tells the Samaritan woman at the well, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeking such people to worship him, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The Samaritan woman was very confused about worship. She was Samaritan. She had a corrupted Pentateuch that she was using. But even the Jewish people, by and large, were confused. They thought that the temple was kind of the end of God's purposes, whereas the temple was only meant to be a pointer to something more significant, worshiping not on this mountain or that, but in spirit. Now, God's people, we are the temple. The Old Testament temple was meant to point forward to us, to those who are in Christ. We are the temple because the Holy Spirit indwells us. That was not as clear in the Old Testament. While the physical temple still stood, after Pentecost, that became much clearer. The Spirit rushed upon the 120 gathered in the upper room. The Spirit fills all God's people. And there's just a clarity that we worship in spirit that you don't really see as clearly in the Old Testament. Speaking of all of us being filled, I think the third difference is the breadth of the Spirit's work. Numbers 11, if you remember, there was a very interesting incident where Moses and the elders were prophesying. The Spirit had come upon them. But there were some of the elders who were not there gathered where they were supposed to be, and they started prophesying out in the camp. And Joshua was upset about that, said, make them stop. And Moses' response to Joshua is, are you jealous for my sake? Are you jealous that they got the Spirit on them? Here was Moses' attitude. Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his Spirit on them. Now, for any true believer in the Old Testament to really believe, we know they have to be regenerated. It has to be a work of the Spirit because we're naturally fallen. So the Holy Spirit did work in all of God's people in the Old Testament, or they wouldn't be God's people. That is, those who are the true Israel, those who are truly regenerate. However, there was a certain working of the Spirit that was more sporadic and more focused on individual persons in the Old Testament which changes after Pentecost. Now, the idea, what Moses longed for, would that the Lord would put his spirit on them, on on everybody. That's what's happened. We have the spirit upon every believer. Romans 8, 9, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, then you don't belong to him. You, believer, have the spirit on you, and he is clearly upon you. Acts 2.17 that we looked at before, when he's quoting, when Peter's quoting Joel, The prophecy is, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And you remember, your sons, your daughters, they'll prophesy, they'll dream dreams, young men, old men, male, female. I will pour out my spirit on everyone. So the breath of the Spirit's work, he clearly actively works in every believer. Lastly, the difference after Pentecost, I would say, is the clear permanence of the Spirit's work after Pentecost is different. In the Old Testament, the Spirit was active, but when we see him, usually we see him rushing upon someone to perform a certain action or rushing upon a leader to give him strength. So, for example, Samson, who was no model of moral character, yet the Holy Spirit would rush upon Samson and give him strength. 
The spirit was upon David. David prayed, Lord, don't take your spirit from me. And even that prayer that David prayed suggests to us that the spirit coming upon someone in the Old Testament was not as permanent, not as certain. The spirit could withdraw. You remember that's what happened to Saul. The spirit withdrew from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord came instead. So in the Old Testament, there was less of a permanence. I mean, again, if you were a true believer, you could not do good without the Spirit working in you, but it wasn't as clear. So the clear work of the Spirit in the Old Testament always seemed less permanent, more conditional. But now, if you're a believer, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And the idea of a seal in the ancient world You take that wax seal, you put it on a letter, stamp it on there, and no one can open that letter or that scroll without breaking the seal. So the seal ensures that the letter gets delivered to the proper recipient. And we are the letters being delivered to God through salvation. And the Holy Spirit has sealed us to make sure nobody opens us, nobody makes us turn away. There is a permanence to the Spirit as our seal or the one who seals us. Here's Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Spirit will not leave us. He has sealed us, and he himself is the guarantee of our inheritance. So there is a greater, clearer permanence to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit after Pentecost. There's probably more that could be added to this, but as you can see, it's very good that the Lord has allowed us to be born in these last days, as Peter and Jesus called them, because the Spirit is uniquely present after Pentecost in your life. He's uniquely present in your life in the degree of his powerful work, changing you and others around you and gifting you and giving you boldness. He is uniquely present in a clear way. You don't have to guess if you live and worship by the Spirit. You do, or you can't worship except by the Spirit. It's very clear. The breath of the Holy Spirit's work, every believer you see has been sealed by the Spirit, gifted by the Spirit. The Spirit is active in them. And you don't have to worry that the Spirit will leave you. There is a permanence to his activity and his dwelling in you. So we can really thank God for that. It might be that in the past, you were uncertain if there was any difference before and after Pentecost, or at least wondered, as many have, what is the difference between them? Well, may God help us all now, by his grace, to think this way.